Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to Nick doing a dirty old gross thing podcast. <laughs> Lip smacking. I always rather do that. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do. All right, welcome back to this awesome episode where we get to hear about the inaugural inaug- inaugural inaugural Collins Cup held for us only a few days ago in the town of I what's the town Jackson it was in Samarin's lap yeah Samoran Samarin yeah but it wasn't really in the town it was kind of just at the crazy awesome Olympic training facility um, called X Bionic Sphere which is kind of its own it's like its own town it's just a bunch of people there to train and why is it called X Bionic Sphere X Bionic is like the sponsor probably Sphere I don't know well, I've seen that name around quite a bit within the PTO. They're a, I don't know, a good sponsor. They're awesome. Yeah, I don't even know what they do. I, they they sponsor the facility. In any event, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Back on track. <laughs> That's where it was. And uh, Okay, so Collins Cup, inaugural Collins Cup happened. What was the big deal about that? Why do we care? Well, this was supposed to happen back in 2020 when the PTO first kind of spun up. But due to COVID-19, it was kind of postponed um, and transitioned into the Daytona race. Now, I don't know really where I was going with that, but I'll just tell you that this is a race that the format was totally brand new. Um, 36 athletes, 12 matches with three athletes per match from Europe, International, and North America. No, USA. USA, actually, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, USA. technically, yes. But, but yeah, the, the biggest deal on this one was this is trying to bring triathlon to, you know, mainstream sports. Um, you know, what people will not typically watch triathlon unless they're a triathlete and they're already a fan of it. But this is kind of bringing this to all the countries in the world, basically, to be able to watch it. So it was on so many different networks and uh, literally like 100 countries. I heard mixed reviews because I coach athletes in different countries and I heard mixed reviews that some of the broadcast was not equal. Um, Luckily for us in the USA, we were able to just watch it live on the Collins Cup app. That's how I was able to watch it. It It's awesome. Um, So before we get to the breakdowns and how we thought, how we feel about each individual match, like the broadcast in general. And even before that, let's go into like, well, yeah, the, the team the week, picks. the pre-week and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. When what was your travel like? So Jackson, you know, obviously, you know, if you don't know, Jackson was in match number 12 at this race. He was the coach's best friend's pick for <laughs> Team International. Uh, one of two. Who was the other one? Kyle. Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Jackson raced there. That's why we're going to drill him on all the good stuff. Get the dirt. So. What, how early did you have to arrive? It seemed like people were kind of sporadic. 
Yeah, it was like, you know, they wanted us to get there the Monday before the Saturday race, you know, at least by the Tuesday. So everyone showed up on kind of between Sunday and Tuesday. And it was, you know, a lot of different media things we did. You know, everyone did breakfast with Bob. There were interviews for pre-race. There was the opening ceremony where the where they determined the matchups. There was photo shoots. There was just lots of little things to do, which kind of, I actually kind of liked it leading into the pre-race week. Um, you know, typically you're not training that much in the last three, four days and you end up sitting around a lot. It kind of just got you up out of your, you know, seat and going to do something for half an hour and then come back. Uh, Were the other pros, any other pros complaining about all the obligations? Uh, no, I didn't really hear much complaining. I think there was like one or two things where like they just messed up the scheduling and that was a bit of a, um, stressful situation a couple of times, but it was nothing too serious. And, uh, overall people seem to be pretty happy about it. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I think everybody was really happy to do that because, you know, this was kind of the biggest prize money race ever. Um, but it wasn't prize money. It was all in appearance fees. So it was pretty, uh, you know, we all got paid well to go. Um, I think it ranged from, you know, for people actually racing, it ranged from 20,000 to, I think the top rank got a hundred thousand to race. Are you effed in the A? <laughs> pretty sure that's what it was. Oh yeah. my frig. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of money. I thought everyone just got like a set number, like, Hey, we're all equal, but no, 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 it was based on your ranking. So it was what? like a, an appearance fee. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is how they had to do it. So this, this first year they paid it all as an appearance fee because they, they needed to get the top names to commit to it. And they needed to make sure everyone who qualified went. Um, so the only way to do that, if you're paying Jan Ferdino to go, he's not going to go if you pay him 20 grand. <laughs> so you have to pay him 100 grand he won't even hop on a phone call that's 20 grand i don't know i don't know what his standards are but in any event it resulted in this kind of interesting situation where the amount you get paid does not actually change with your performance so there was a little bit of mixed opinions on whether people were going to go hard for the race or whether they were just going to kind of sandbag it and i think everyone did go hard it was just a question of did they actually plan their training to perform well at the race it was kind of clear who did yeah and and some did and some didn't i'm gonna i would say probably a little over half the field did kind of you know taper properly build properly for the race and then maybe you know 30 40 percent kind of just tossed it in the schedule after like a hard iron man or or in between maybe a quarter of people were like that and then you know most people did actually you know show up pretty fit and ready so um, and then the other thing is people were motivated to compete because you were competing for a team. Like everyone really did want to like get those points for their team and not let them down. So that was obvious. Like, yeah. There was a lot of charisma around the actual team aspect, especially with the team captains, you know, creating some drama. And there was a little bit of like pre-race athlete drama specifically between Holly Lawrence and Ellie Salthouse, which couldn't tell if it was like real or maybe dramatized a bit but all i know is it looked real it was pretty real it was real for sure they i i mean those two have there were some words said at a race 
by Holly and Ellie, you know, towards Ellie, which is kind of interesting because, you know, Ellie Assault House, which I didn't know, I didn't know her at all before this trip, but she was on Team International and we got to spend some time, all the teams together. Um, so I got to know Team Internationals pretty well. And she's like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. She's so sweet. She'll never say a bad thing about anyone. And she never really said anything bad about Holly, but she just said, I really want to beat her. And she, she said that numerous times. So like, I knew that she kind of didn't have the friendliest of opinions on her. Yeah. And then literally when the gun went off during their match, it was like, she jumped, Holly jumped right on top of Ellie basically. And they, it just, she was just bumping into her the whole time. Yeah, they were literally shoulder to shoulder the whole, probably about 1,500 meters of the swim at least. That was nuts. So that was intense. It um, made for an interesting match. However, that was something they probably tried to do or embellished or maybe it was just all real. It's just hard to see Ellie not be genuinely sweet to anybody. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyways, everyone was pretty happy with how the thing went down and it was just kind of interesting that there was no prize money per se that being said i've already heard that next year it will be sort of a hybrid model of appearance fee and also prize money so people are going to be a little bit more motivated to really you know taper down and crush the race uh all that being said it was pretty you know it was like the most fun format i've ever raced um and i think pretty much all the athletes said something similar to that so I really think this format's going to take off and whether, you know, the Collins cup stays around forever or not, I think some other, you know, brands are probably going to start to try to model that for pro racing. Yeah. And sometimes when we show up on a start line and there's 60 guys and we're all racing each other, it's just utter chaos. It's a bit nuts, but if you can show up and know that you're only racing two other people and that's all you have to worry about all day long, that's just takes the pressure off that is crazy because there's like the biggest, I'd say the biggest doubt or the biggest tough spot for age group athletes or even sometimes pro athletes is you never know versus the masses, how anything's going to roll out. Like you can't control any of it. You might even know, not even know where you are in standings, but you've got two people, you know, where you stand. Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, in terms of like pressure, I think it could go either way. Like if you're really expected to win that matchup, I think it could increase the pressure on you because you only have to beat two other people. And if you're the favorite, you better darn well win. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're not the favorite, you kind of look at it as, Oh, well, I'm not the favorite, but it's only two guys. And if I have a good day, you never know what can happen. So um, definitely depends on where you're at there, but. Um, um, okay. So. Moving on to like the other things that happened, I, I really enjoyed watching the the team select, not the, the, the match selections, which were, you know, each country or each represent re- representative would pick a person at a time and it would kind of revolve in a fair way. But yeah, I think Europe had the first pick, maybe. It was Europe, yeah. Um, and anyway, so they set their first pick. I believe it was Jan. Or they did women first, it wasn't it? Yeah, you're right. But once... Once it went down to the Jan match, well, actually, I mean, it did Daniela first, obviously. Too. Yeah. Um, it was like, I don't know, everything kind of just went out the window for the for USA picking anything that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the picks were kind of interesting because um, 
the matchups that make for the best TV maybe aren't necessarily the matchups that are the best for strategy. So um, I, I think, you know, they had to do that entire, entire uh, opening ceremony within an hour. And I have a hard time imagining that they didn't have it all pre-planned. This is, this is just my opinion, and I allegedly heard it from someone, I don't know where, probably just myself, but I'm pretty sure they were pre-planned. The coaches probably didn't have, maybe, maybe they could pick like their last three matches. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Either way, regardless of whether they got to pick it as they wanted or not, um, the matchups ended up being pretty interesting. I think, you know, the strategy might've been to put your slowest person against Jan or your slowest person against whoever you thought was going to absolutely crush it so that you kind of save them for save your better people to get points later on more bonus points. Yeah. Cause tactically we just know that Sam has Sam long had, would have had a better chance against another matchup than for sure. Jan. I mean, yeah, those, it just, it was so weird. It felt like it was a throwaway because Sam definitely had like, if there was 12 matches or, I mean, you know, six possibilities or whatever between the men, he had <laughs> five chances, better opportunities to beat. Somebody. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. that was uh, just interesting, but I, I did find it fun. Like I liked the anticipation because at the time I was like, man, this seems totally like these, co- these guys know nothing about how they're, how they're going to pick it. And they're just reacting. I was like taken away from them. <laughs> so then what was the next day what was the opening ceremonies like some trash talks some banter some press conference stuff yeah so the press conference was a separate event and oh and joe skipper hates jackson <laughs> we didn't know that well at our at our press conference you should go we should go and watch it um but it was you know they would interview one from each matchup um or sorry, they would interview each matchup at a time and they would kind of have all three of them up there with a mic. And there was some good trash talk going on between each matchup, I think, every single one, uh, especially on the men's. The women's were a little bit more tame. They didn't quite go after each other as much. Um, but then when it came down to ours, uh, you know, Metzler kind of set Joe up for a good... Uh, he kind of got us where, where Metzler was, was asking, you know, how how Joe's going to do in the shorter distance. Cause he's more of a long distance guy. And then Joe kind of said, well, I am maybe one of the slower uh, f- for the European team on the shorter distance, but if you can't beat me, you certainly kind of beat any of these other guys. Uh, so that kind of got the crowd pretty excited. And in any event, that wasn't true because Joe ended up going on to have, I think the fourth fastest time out of the Europeans, six men. So um, that was pretty solid, but anyways, when I went back and watched the race later, Joe had done an interview like before the race that they played during the race. And he basically said he wanted to beat me and he wanted Justin to beat me because I run my mouth too much. And yeah, I don't know what you have. It was a, uh, how would you ever run your mouth? I don't think I was any, I mean, in the press conference, I did say he would need five minute lead on me to beat me on the, at the end of the day, a five minute lead starting the run. Wow. Uh, however, you know, he kind of said that we wouldn't be able to ride well without a pack to ride with. So it was kind of pretty even. But in any event, that was all the pre-race stuff. I think the trash talk and all that stuff was really good for hyping it up. I think it got it people a little bit more excited for those matchups. And as they kind of hone in on better ways to um, get that broadcasted and televised and more people seeing it, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty stellar. 
Okay, so what were the biggest takeaway awesome moments from your perspective, performance-wise or whatever? Uh, performance-wise, definitely catching Joe Skipper and winning my match. That's 100% the oh, best. Yeah, okay, you won your match. We get it. We know that. <laughs> what about other athletes? Well, Taylor Nib, like, what the heck? Like, that was amazing. Um, she's I don't know, like she, she has the potential to go on a reign for like years of being a phenomenal athlete that no one can beat. Like she could be, you know, better than Daniela, better than anyone who's ever done it. Like she's already, she's already beating everyone in those races. Right. It's pretty amazing on a road bike, mind you at 23 years old, very little experience at long course. So it's pretty ridiculous. So that was the standout performance of the day, hands down. Um, on the, on the women's side, some other great performances. I mean, the top times aside from Taylor Nib were kind of uh, mostly the European um, women, Emma Pallant, as well as Lucy Charles. I think Lucy Charles was second. Like she won her match. Emma, Emma Pallant won her match. Katrina Matthews won her match. Um, so that was pretty stellar. Jackie Herring was great winning her match. She had a really good battle with Jeannie Metzler. And, and unfortunately, Jeannie kind of, you know, blew up a little bit later in the race and ended up getting passed by Annie Haug as well. That pass actually took place like less than a kilometer yeah. from the finish. And Jeannie was just so in the well, like she really went for it and blew up. And like, I really respect that. She just, she went for the win and, you know, she could have run more conservatively and finished second for sure. Um, just didn't work out. But mm -hmm. uh, another, another person I think we got to mention is Jocelyn Colley because you know, she didn't have one of the fastest times of the day, but she was certainly very competitive. Like she, she was quite a bit faster than, than several of the other women. She finished second in her match. She had the second fastest bite behind Taylor Nib. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she, she lost some time on the run, but her overall performance was very solid. And I think, you know, there were definitely some controversial, you know, um, opinions on her being picked for team USA and, you know, she delivered. I think she did as well as any of the other picks would have done. Um, you know, and and coming off of obviously recently having had a baby and she's still breastfeeding and all these things, it's just amazing that she can come back and perform well. As well, speaking on that topic, Chelsea Sidero had an incredible race. Same um, situation. Same situation. You know, just had a baby and I think it was March and came to this race and she was only around a minute behind. Emma Pallon Brown, who's just been absolutely mm -hmm. crushing it and had one of the very best times. So that was awesome. And I think Chelsea's going to notch it up again and have a great race at Worlds. Um, yeah. Yeah. The men's race, too. Um, oh, that? and Ellie Salthouse won. We can't forget that. Yeah. Ellie. Yeah. Because Holly crashed, unfortunately. Unfortunately, on the bike. And Ellie was just solid. She ran well. And I, I personally think she would have beat Holly anyway, but I guess we'll never know. And speaking of which, a lot of crashes out there. Oh yeah. Lionel. So that was the only one in the women's race. And then the men go to the, to the course and freaking just slipping around like a God darn slip and slide out there with freaking baby oil as lubricant. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of crashes. Uh, we saw Lionel go down and finish his match strong. I don't know who else in the men, but I'm pretty uh, sure Kyle Smith went down, broke his arrow bar off. Oh yeah. And still crushed and stuck, it. stuck in his biggest gear, the whole top, the whole ride. Didn't yeah. capture that in the broadcast. Nope. And they were, yeah, broadcast kind of missed that one. Um, speaking of which, you know, that was the first time this format had ever been done. So how do you capture 12 
races uh, each each match has a race i mean has a race has a cameraman with them at all times um, on the bike and on the run but still like having enough split screens and being able to adequately track that data i think there was some missed areas on some of the data stuff like miles per hour on the bike would have been cool to know um per athlete or at least like deficit between all three instead of just like this is how far they are into the course. Um, so yeah, there was a couple of things that I think they're going to improve on obviously, but in terms of coolness factor, like nothing's been done like that. It was really exhilarating. You know, think about watching Kona. Yeah. It's exhilarating in some ways, but for a while it gets like, Oh, they're just riding a freaking straight line for about another three hours. <laughs> in this one, there was just continual action. So that's really why I think it's, the sport's going to boost um, growth and see some more non-endemic sponsors come in. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's big. And it was, it was entertaining to watch, even though there was a lot more room to improve, which I think is, I think is the exciting part for me anyway. Um, I watched the whole race on the way back on the plane and they did miss quite a few exciting moments. Colin Chartier and Kyle Smith were in a sprint finish mm. for a second in their match, and they didn't capture that. Um, they, yeah, I mean, they didn't get any passes on the bike pretty much. They kind of just showed whoever was leading. Uh, actually, they did They did capture it when, um, Metzler when Lucy Charles. Went by, yeah. yeah, yeah, Metzler went by me and ended up going by him again. But Lucy Charles passing Katie's affairs, so they did catch that one um yeah just some little things that you know more split screens more i i think they should change the points a little bit to reward winning a little bit more because you can technically get more points for second than somebody else for winning their match based on the bonus point system so oh yeah and they didn't really adequately explain the points the bonus stuff that well um during the race more than like a couple times like let's say i started watching sporadically and just missed it every time like i would have never heard it at all or had a chance yeah so we should probably explain bonus points in case people haven't heard let's talk about those bonus points so for winning you get three points for second place you get two points third place you get one point and you get an additional half a point for each two minutes you beat your competitor by so if you finish second you can get up to one and a half points for beating your third place by six minutes. But once you beat them by six minutes, that's the maximum number of points you can get is one and a half from that. So the winner can get up to three bonus points for beating both people by six minutes, which a few people did. Wow. Um, so the problem I have with that is if you, like I said before, if you finish second and you beat third, let's say third drops out, they get a mechanical, whatever. And second place just walks it in and goes super slow. They still get three and a half points which is more than somebody else could get if they're like in an epic battle for the win yeah. with two other people for a sprint finish. So I think that's got to change. So I would suggest they go five points for the win, three for second, one for third, and then the bonus points being the same. That way the max you can get for second is four and a half. And for first you can get eight, but you get a minimum of five. So, yeah, I think that's great. That kind of eliminates that whole bullshit issue. Exactly. There you go. Um, and then, you know, just looking at, Looking at the way it played out in points wise, Europe ended up winning by a fair margin. USA was second with 31 and a half points. And uh, I think Europe had 41 and a half. And then internationals had 25 and a half in third. 
but internationals won four matches and USA only won two matches. So got those bonus points. They got more bonus points on their win with um, Taylor Nib and internationals had a lot of third places. Um, but just, did, that, did we say that Taylor Nib beat Daniela by 15 minutes? Yeah, it was, was it 15? It was like 14 or 15. Uh, maybe it was, maybe Teresa was 15, but it was, it was ridiculous. Like a significant margin. And now, you know, it's, it's gotta have, a, Danielle always has so much pressure on her to show up and just dominate. So I, I, you know, it sucks to even kind of add fuel to that fire, but of course we expected her to have a dominant race Yeah, because that's her personality to, uh, you know, that's how we know her. Yeah. So she had a terrible race and that's, you know, yeah. Taylor Nim had an amazing race and it would have been great to see Daniela have a good race because just speculating based on times of some of the other women, it seems like Daniela on a good day would have been similar to what Taylor did. Um, yeah. So that would have been very exciting, but unfortunately Daniela just had a really bad day. She, they said she was feeling sick. Something was obviously off. Um, and then Teresa Adam world rank number two, very good athlete. Um, unfortunately her training's just been really interrupted the last several months with, um, she had, she had a bit of an illness. She had like a, a surgery where she kind of got an infection. It was all minor, but it ended up resulting in a lot of lost training. So unfortunately yeah. she just didn't have good fitness. And that's another part about kind of the, the way this went down. There was a lot of athletes I felt like were coming back from injury and maybe knew they weren't going to have the body or you know, but instead of rolling it down, it's like, well, of course I'm going to race. Of course. And and it's not even, I don't know if anybody would do any different because especially when you're one of the highly ranked athletes and you're getting 50 K 80 K, whatever it is. Yeah. Like how can you even think about turning that down and you just show up and do the best you can. And um, I think, you know, every single team had at least one person who, you know, wasn't able to perform that well due to either injury, illness, whatever the case may be. So mm-hmm. um Maybe there's a way they can address that in the future. Maybe not. Um, I mean, but Rudy pulled out because of did, that. Yeah. You know, Rudy yeah. Von Berg didn't feel up to it, and rather than just performing subpar, he, you know, let one of the Colin Chartier, the, yeah, Colin Chartier, take his spot. And Colin raced pretty well. I mean, he finished second in his match. Absolutely. And uh, that was the sprint finish that we didn't get to see, but. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty, uh, you know, interesting. A lot of different moving pieces are going around in this. And I mean, I guess it's worth noting three people got COVID afterwards after like the event. So, you know, a lot of people have to get tested to go back home and three people did test positive for COVID-19, which was, I mean, it's all over social media, so it's not like spoiling anything with Ben Knute and Sky Munch and Tom Zafaris. So, I mean, all team USA, I think something just went around probably at one of their team meetings or whatever. And, it's unfortunate, but I think everyone's feeling good. They're just trying to wait till they test negative to get back home. Yeah. But, uh, poor Ben's away from his young family and <laughs> Tommy, Tommy didn't like get on the plane with, with Katie. He's just like, ah, Katie take off. I think she's had to do another race. So probably uh, worlds. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> she's not going to 70.3 worlds. She's doing more, uh, oh, she's doing super league. oh, wow. Is super league still a thing? Yeah, it is <laughs> like, I thought, I thought that format was awesome. Like, I don't know why it didn't take, you know, take off, but yeah, it's got good funding. I think just needs better, you know, TV, better uh, coverage. It's really good. Cause there's not like any personality into it that I would want to like actually get behind and remember to watch. Yeah. 
it's kind of interesting. Like for me, it's kind of a different conversation, I guess, but super league is like a little too complicated for me. I think Mm -hmm. with like all the different formats and they race for like three days and stuff. Like, I think it's just too much. Um, Well, and it's all indoors. I want to see it's indoors. What super league? Oh no. I was thinking of the, you think it's whiffed. No, they did like a super league. Oh, they did an E-series. Okay, maybe that was it. They did that, that like, you know, virtual one during COVID. But all their stuff is like, you know, those super sprint, oh, really okay. short I stuff. Bet. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember watching Shows that. how much we follow the draft legal stuff. Yeah, and that's a shame too. Like, I kind of wish I was presented with more opportunities to, to know all that stuff or what's going on. So maybe one day. So the Collins Cup was awesome next year, you know, barring – Sponsors just completely turning their backs on us. It should hopefully happen again. But the yeah. sport seems to be like it's on an upturn generally. And there's other race companies in the game now outside of the standard Ironman. Um, yeah. And the PTO is putting on events. Clash is coming up. Rev3 had a, a race again. Like, yeah, there's going to be more opportunities to support other than just the standard Ironman race. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, honestly. And the other exciting thing that we got to see kind of a glimpse of was at the pre-race meeting, they did show us kind of what the PTO plan is a little bit and their general, like, you know, probably about a two or three year plan is to have four majors uh, in four different regions of the world. So you similar to like tennis where they have, you know, Wimbledon and um, geez, I don't even know those other ones, those other majors. (laughs) Uh, they're going to have the ones that they kind of used as examples were like a Canadian open, an American open, uh, Asian open and a European open. And they'll have those four races every year. There's more of a standard race, not like a Collins cup format. And then those are like the big races where you get, you know, the big prize money and it's kind of, it's winning a major it's, you know, it's a big deal. And then the Collins cup being the kind of invitational, um, match match play kind of setup so that would be pretty awesome to have like think about that then what you have is the best athletes in the world each year they probably do two to three majors they might pick up another you know other brand race to qualify for world championships elsewhere and then they maybe do the collins cup and that's their season and then you don't have these super super high level pros doing all these more entry level races and you have more opportunities for those entry level pros to kind of pick up some money and build a name and get some sponsors and and kind of work their way up. So I think it's a good model. I I think it's exciting and I would love to still be racing if that ever comes around. Yeah. Right in the ripe age of 39. They said they told what I crossed the line in the Collins cup and the coverage, uh, Phil Liggett, unfortunately misread my age and he said I was 38. He did. Yes. (laughs) Instead of 28. So, Uh, yeah, but it was so cool to have Phil Liggett's voice on that broadcast. So I agree. He's it's like a calming soul that we all want to be one day. Yeah. He's so cool. And I didn't really get to meet him, but like, you know, I just kind of overheard him chatting with some people and it was just, he's just the type of person you want to listen to. Yeah. Man. Um, But yeah, we, we think it was pretty cool. We think it'll get better. Let us know what you guys think in the there's comments, right? Is, is that enough. a thing? Send us a message on our uh, Real Try Squad Instagram account. Yeah, and tell us what you think, and uh, you know we'll 
if you have a really interesting comment, we might talk about it in the next episode briefly because. We, oh, and we if, you, and if we pick your comment, well, I'll send you something of ours. Yeah, we'll send you something. Hey, you know what? Maybe I've got some Collins Cup, something from the Collins Cup that says Collins Cup on it that I could send you with signed or something. Yeah. If, it, if that's cool. Yep. Or we just cut this out and just pretend it never happens. One or the other. It doesn't matter to me. We'll leave it up to Garrick. If he cuts it out, we won't. It means he actually listened to the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think he does. I don't know. Speaking of Garrick, he, you know, he had his surgery and uh, his hips are in pain, I think, but he can still kind of get around and do his day-to-day stuff. So he's still super busy with school and he's not training, I don't think. Maybe he can swim right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already done at least one swim. Well, they No, they sliced into him, didn't they? They said they accidentally put hands on his feet <laughs> so he could run faster on all fours. Oh, so, God. So now all he has is feet or hands. Oh, God. Nick, your, your humor is so bad. It's just terrible. Bad surgery. Uh, so, yeah. So next we're doing 70.3 World Championships in St. George. And then Jackson's going to get ready for his huge announcement. I've already announced it. His major massive announcement. <laughs> Brand new. <laughs> Hot the press. He's doing Ironman Mallorca. Yeah. And so is Nick. And so am I. Yeah. That's my first Ironman. So that's kind of exciting. But going to just kind of kick kick the can down the road for thinking about that one and focus on worlds here. We're up at altitude here at Eagle Point, 9,600 feet, getting some good red blood cell adaptation. Hopefully Nick's got like unlimited red blood cells. So I don't know if he's in anymore. (laughs) I've been in altitude for a while. Now I'm topped off. Yeah. So I actually got too tired and had to go back to like 3000 feet so I could feel human again. It's just too much altitude for like a day. And now you're fine. Yeah. So we're back up here. It's I just got here yesterday. It's been, you know, noticeable, a little bit tired from the jet lag still, but we're going to get some good hard training going probably tomorrow. Our first hard workout. I don't, I don't know. Swim. That's swim. it. Hard swim. Probably die. That's down to 6,000 feet though. So we'll, we'll, we'll be all right, but. Yep. But the next episode will be after probably 70.3 worlds or before or probably released afterwards. But we're might have so if you if you are on Instagram and you're an adult <laughs> member of the Jeez, society, what are, you, what are you giving away here, buddy? No, uh, on your left might come on and be our our guest next time. Oh yeah, on your left is pretty pretty funny Instagram. It's it's true account. but rude. It's the best. Yeah, they're they're good. They're like they're kind of like the new the real Starkey. I, uh, I just feel like their humor is way more my style than the, the real Starkey's was. Yeah. But we'll have them on. What What's the guy's name? Your? Um, His it, first name's on. <laughs> it's on. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to have to figure that out for having him on. And hopefully he doesn't listen to this episode because that's pretty I, embarrassing. Well, he I've only seen his name once in an Instagram text about a week ago. can't remember. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have what's his name on from on, on your left on your left one might be one or two of them they're actually going to be in town for 70.3 worlds i remember that much so we may have them in person that'd be sick yeah and hopefully leslie smith's going to be joining us up here for training she's got to sort some bike stuff out then she'll be good to go we'll have some we'll get some good content follow the rts social media we're going to be putting up some 
some videos and Nick doing weird things and <laughs> being shirtless. So that'll be what's on there. Absolutely not. <laughs> my mom told me to keep it under my shirt. Okay. Oh, okay. And on that bombshell, it's time to end. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. And if you have comments, concerns, keep them to yourself. Keep them to yourself, but please tell us. <laughs> All so, right. That's it. Peace out. out. Flying through the sky in my parachute Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise On a one-man mission trying to see it through